Hello, everyone, and welcome to another riveting edition of the After Review Podcast. My name is Shay Dugal, and with me this evening is Trenton Puse. And what's that? The Saints lost, and I'm here? Let's put that to bed. Trenton does shows after Saints losses. I mean, for what it's worth, that was about as good of a loss as you can possibly have in the NFL because it was just like the last team that that has the ball is going to win that game, and they just happened to not have the ball last. No, and it's weird. I was very, like, I I, I don't know, calm, accepting of it, even like just right in the aftermath of the loss. It was like, shoot, that one hurt, but it's like, I don't know. I, there's a lot of positives to take away, and then there's also kind of the thing where you where you realize, okay, the 49ers are the best team in the NFL, uh, this side of the Ravens. I, I don't know uh, exactly who to choose between those two, but the, the whole point is that the Saints aren't the best team in the NFL this year, and I, I think coming to that realization helped me accept this loss a lot quicker. Well, and the other part is that, you know, the, the Saints – are making the playoffs anyway. Yeah. The C- the uh, 49ers have the Seahawks nipping at their heels at this That's point true. to, you know, for the the number one seed. There was much more at risk for the 49ers in this game, and it, it was still really close. I right. mean, I just don't – I feel like from an emotional standpoint, you just can't – this is not a game to get worked up over in my mind, and, and we'll get to it a little more in the recaps, and we're going to do recaps. But before we do that, Trenton, uh, we were off last week. Little bit of news, uh, Ron Rivera out as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Right. Um, that happened last week, but let's just get a quick take from both of us. What, what do we think of this move, and, and uh, how do we view the Panthers going forward as a job opportunity? If you were a head coach, would you want the Carolina Panthers' job? Yeah, I, I would. I, I think there's a ton of really nice pieces with uh, with Carolina. It's got a pretty good culture. Uh, they've won a lot recently, and to be fair to Ron Rivera, he built some of that. Uh, I was going to say, I I would credit that culture to Ron Rivera, not the ownership. I mean, Jerry Richardson was out as owner of the, of that team after all that weird stuff happened. So I don't necessarily think that I think, I think any culture that you could attribute with the Panthers would be due to Ron Rivera. I don't don't think that David Tepper in his brief time as an owner has shown any reason to believe that he's going to create a volatile culture or he's going to cause them to take steps back. I think what he wants to do is move them forward. And with Ron Rivera and just how they've kind of stagnated the last couple of years, it does make sense to kind of move on and see if you can bring the talent on this roster to new heights. Because it does feel like they've squandered some talented rosters. That's fair enough. I don't disagree with that, that that, that the new owner probably does want to move forward and kind of build the team in his own uh, with his own vision board so to speak Uh, he's got his own vision board set up in his office and uh, he (laughs) is uh praying it into reality probably as we speak right um other other notes um uh, well first of all any speculation as to where rivera is going to end up after this year is is pretty ridiculous but i do think it's it's unquestionable that he will be highly in demand from several teams looking for head coaches this offseason well yeah i mean uh, if the giants uh, vacancy opens up that's a possibility uh if Sorry, it, I'm yes, surprised yeah. it hasn't opened already, and they <laughs> they haven't already hired Ron Rivera. Obviously, the Redskins could potentially consider him if the Browns move on from Freddie Kitchens. Rivera might be the right way to go. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities for him. The Jets and Adam Gase. Yeah, I think there's really a lot. I mean, they, they seem to indicate that Gase will be back. I can't imagine why, but <laughs> well, they got five wins. Strangely enough, I don't remember the five wins, but they have them. I mean, how about five wins with an asterisk after the refs handed that game to the the Jets this week? Let, let's go. Should we go ahead and get into the recaps and just do this? Yeah, sure. Why not? Any other news that you want to knock out? Actually, there's a couple of big things. Uh, just real quick, 
Uh, have you seen the Patriots sideline taping story? That's not a big thing in my no, mind. It, like it I, don't, I, I wasn't even going to bring it up. Like because I just want to address it's it like... because like we're, okay. we're plugged in, we're paying attention. Uh, it's not a story. It's absolutely not a story. That, that's all I mean, I'm people will it. put their tin, people are going to put their tinfoil hats on and say, "Look, well, just to give background to anyone who somehow is not aware of this annoying story, uh, <laughs> Spygate 2.0 question mark." Um, so the the story is that they were caught uh, caught, I guess in uh, in air quotes, uh, taping the Bengals sideline during the Patriots Bengals game. Uh, Browns. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, the Browns Bengals game. Um, they're they're playing the Bengals in an, in an upcoming game this week, right? Uh, and they were taping the sideline for like eight straight minutes, uh, supposedly for a um, like a an internal use video for like a job recruiting thing uh, for for scouting or some something like that. And uh, they came out right away and they said like that this is not like a Spygate situation. Like we're fully cooperating with the NFL. They gave them all the information they could possibly want. Um, I, I don't view this as anything sinister because they'd have to be pretty stupid and pretty brazen to get caught with something like this again in such a ridiculous capacity. Yeah, and especially against a team like the Bengals, you're not really going to need a leg up to to get a win there. So <laughs> that's that's uh, the, this version of the Patriots might need it. <laughs> ah, come on now. Even uh, even I'm, this, I'm fully the off the Patriots of, bandwagon. Well, I mean that's fine, but are, are you suddenly on the bandwagon of the? the idea that the Bengals are going to win another game. The Bengals have played a ton of close games this year. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying, well, well, we eagerly await your gut picks. Uh, anyway, well, I'm not, well, I'm not going to (laughs) be gut picking the Bengals. I'm just saying like, don't be shocked if it's a close game and Hey, maybe that uh, leg up is all the Patriots needed to to win that game. (laughs) All right. Uh, so kind of an interesting story here, just just sort of a, a human interest from the perspective of the fans who are like, man, the refs are terrible. Uh, the NFL is apparently considering major overhauls, including bringing back some of the TV refs like John Perry, like Dean Blandino, uh, Gene Steratore. Who's the other one? Mike or Mike Pereira. They're, they're all, it's all on the table. I, I recently saw this story. So honestly... Putting Pereira in charge, uh, based on all of the calls that he's made throughout the year on the Fox games, I tend to agree with him. I think he has a better handle and a better understanding of the rules than uh, certainly Al Riveron does. Uh, Can't bring in too many smart uh, voices, and uh, hopefully that could be a sign of a culture change among the refs and a little more accountability. To me, it's not really about knowing the rules and understanding the rule book and how the game is supposed to be officiated. It's just, it's more of, you said it just now, it's, it's about changing the culture and not changing the rules. It feels like every single week, it feels like the competition committee is broken at this point. Right. It feels as though they have a different emphasis on something every week. It, it can't work that way. You can't be telling teams that the rules are one way. And then all of a sudden the next week, they're another way. Because coaches change their coaching styles to adapt to the rules that the NFL has in place. And if you're just changing them, you're pulling the rug out from 32 organizations. And you're telling the fans that they can't believe what they're seeing with their own eyes. It's, it's, a, it's a significant problem that the NFL has. And, and I'm thankful that they are at least addressing the issue or at least attempting to address it seemingly. Yeah. Uh, certainly encouraging development. Uh, it's good that they're noticing all the problems and they're actually you know, taking steps. Uh, How can you not? That, like, yeah, the product is is suffering because of it, and it's making the fans angry, and they actually do seem to care about that. 
I mean, you can't ignore this level of discourse from the fans. I mean, granted, ratings have been very good this year, but I think that's because a lot of the games have been really good, frankly. Uh, Even games between bad teams, there have been some really competitive matchups, and we'll get to that here shortly again. Uh, But I just think that the the NFL has a significant officiating problem, and this is a good first step to fixing it. But ultimately, Trenton, my thought on this is, you know, let me know when the baby is born. Don't tell me about the pregnancy. (laughs) fair enough fair enough all right let's get into the recaps then all right recaps all right the first game on the list here is the tampa bay buccaneers taking down the indianapolis colts 38 35 eating a w here uh to the point where you think that Jameis winston might just totally bizarrely and confusingly be getting another shot in tampa bay next year do you think that, that Jameis Winston, after throwing four touchdowns and three interceptions in this game, uh, hilariously, and I, I think he might have had a fumble as well, um, do you think it's remotely possible that Jameis Winston is the, the Bucks' starting quarterback next season? Because I think, I think there's a very realistic chance. I think it's actually pretty likely. I, I, I don't oh. think that necessarily the, the Bucks right now are in a position in which they can draft a quarterback high. I don't think this is the draft to do it. Uh, so they obviously haven't bottomed out. Um, so there's no shot at Burrow. There's no necessarily shot at uh, Justin Herbert, if that's the way you want to go. Uh, and then besides that, there's no real franchise savior that's coming in uh, either to free agency or through a trade. Right now, there's a lot of options out there that are very similar to Jameis Winston. They have their significant problems as well. Uh, and unfortunately, they're just in that position. So they can either totally bottom out, uh, just get rid of Winston, maybe let Ryan Griffin play and uh, try to go for Trevor Lawrence next year, or they'll continue to play out the string. It's one or the other. Um, pretty good uh, game from a Jacoby Brissett perspective, but I think this is pretty much his ceiling, and uh, ultimately the Colts are walking wounded, and I think we are uh, in a spot where we can just go ahead and bury the rest of their season at 6-7. and seven. Right. Uh, not really competitive in their own division. It feels like it's kind of coming to a, a very sad end. Uh, But I don't have many notes on this game because, frankly, it's between two teams that are not really playoff contenders at this point in the season. Right. There's not too much to say here. Obviously, the Colts had a a promising season, but just like you said, too many injuries kind of piled up at the wrong time uh, throughout their momentum. They've been on – I think they've lost four of their last five, and it's just been a real tough stretch for them. Uh, they've been they also, in every single game. So uh, this is a team that's still really well coached. It's still have, uh, bringing in good game plans. They're going to be competitive uh, continuing throughout this season. Uh, but right now, I think they've just dug themselves too big a hole. It'll be a warm day in Wisconsin before I ever criticize the coaching job of one Frank Reich. <laughs> Believe me. All right. All right. Next game, this one also with no playoff implications. The New York Jets taking down the Miami Dolphins at home. 22-21 to victory for the Jets, a game that I mentioned earlier was virtually handed to the Jets uh, by a, yet another officiating gaffe with this. Uh, I call it a gaffe because, in my opinion, it was with the uh, pass interference officiating. Um, but ultimately, Jets come away with a win that, uh, you know, I, I, I guess maybe they wanted a, to win the game at the Dolphins. I don't know if they're tanking anymore, but... These teams aren't good, and it's just another game that just happened because it was on the schedule and whatever. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Neither team is really playing for anything right now. Uh, maybe Adam Gase is coaching for his job, maybe not. Um, other than that, I, th- I think that from the Jets' perspective, you want to see progress from Sam Darnold, and uh, he hasn't looked. He didn't look as bad in this game as he has at times this year, so that's positive. Uh, besides that, uh, not 
too much to write home about from either side. The Dolphins are just playing out the season, and uh, they're going to look competitive sometimes because I, I think that Brian Flores is actually a good coach. Uh, so there you go. I'm excited to see what the Dolphins uh, start to build beginning this offseason. Yeah, I think definitely. they're going to be they're going to be one of those teams that comes out of nowhere and wins eight or nine games next season and is like relatively competitive in a lot of their losses and no one's going to see it coming. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be like right there and everyone's going to be like, what happened? They will be exactly the 2019 Raiders. Hmm. Maybe. Well, yeah, actually that's not a bad comparison. (laughs) All right. All right. The next game on NFL.com's little ticker here, Trenton, I hate to break it to you is the San Francisco 49ers (laughs) 48 to 46 win over the new Orleans saints. Everyone who's listening to this podcast has probably watched the highlights of this game at this point because it was such a wild one. It, it was very reminiscent of last year's Rams-Chiefs game, uh, just in terms of the crazy amount of offense that was going on. Big, But but with a handful of big plays on defense as well, right. take right. us through the game script. Uh, give us a little mini story of the game, if you would, because <laughs> uh, I know that you were just glued to your seat the entire Oof. time this game was on. No, I mean, not just glued to my seat, but completely breathless. It just felt like you, you can never really relax uh, just from the jump in this game. And uh, you can tell that the Saints certainly came in with a really, really good game plan offensively. Uh, they were the ones that were sustaining drives, uh, working their way down the field, having a lot of uh, success on, you know, maybe shorter plays, like five to seven yards, whereas the 49ers actually early on in this game were all explosives. They were hitting like 15, 20. Uh, they had the 70 yard bomb to Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, it's been a, it was, it was really impressive. I think game plan, especially from uh, Kyle Shanahan's perspective, not just what he asked the offense to do, but how well they executed what they were supposed to do. And you saw so much pre-snap action, so much, uh, you know, false movement. Uh, there's like a, so many playmakers on this 49ers team that you have to account for and you have to watch. And um, even if you ha- take one false half step, it puts you out of position. Uh, Shanahan just did that t- to perfection. And <laughs> it's, it, it's really tough on the defense. And I, I think overall, when you look at this game, it's not necessarily that either team played poorly on defense. I think that this game became one of those games where it's the last team that has the ball. And the reason that the uh, Saints gave up so many points is because they scored so many points. Uh, The 49ers were not going to be laughed out of the stadium, despite the fact that they were down 13 twice. Uh, They actually ended up with a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, So this is just a back-and-forth affair with two really good head coaches with really good game plans and... uh, no defense was going to stop either of them. Um, 12 touchdowns in this game to only five punts. I uh, should tell you just about right. how this game went, uh, which is fun. Uh, you didn't mention it, so I'm going to go ahead and bring it up. Uh, Drew Brees, vintage in this game. And, yes. and I realize that the 49ers, uh, we talk about teams all the time that are kind of walking wounded. And the 49ers, I think, uh, make those teams look like big slobbering piles of crap in terms of injuries because they've had just as many injuries as the Colts or the Eagles or any of these teams and they're surviving. They're, they're thriving. But uh, right. I will say to back to my original point, nobody seemed to tell Drew Brees that this is a really good defense because he was unbelievable in this game, uh, proving to me that he is not the issue with the saints offense. Uh, no. And he still can, uh, can sling it with the best of them. Well, I got, a, I got a few points to make about the saints offense. Uh, first, the positives. 
Uh, Traquan Smith has shown uh, in this game that he was hurt earlier in this year, and he was never really healthy, and now he is. And that's a really good positive development for the Saints. Uh, Sideline reporter said that of, or Drew Brees said of Traquan Smith, I trust him. That's got to be real, uh, real confidence boosting for the Saints looking for that second option in the offense. Uh, well, he Cook doesn't was... trust him enough to make him a, a top three target in the game. I mean, that was Ted Ginn, <laughs> Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas made a ridiculous number of plays as usual. Jared Cook had a couple of big touchdown grabs. I mean, I don't know. But who did he go to for the game winner? Draquan Smith. Well, that's fine. I'm, an but unbelievable just... play, by the way. Okay. And you Actually, I think he went to him twice on that drive uh, in key situations. Uh, once early on in the drive when they needed a first down to get things moving. Uh, so anyway. The whole point there is that uh, Ted Ginn hasn't really been reliable this year, and uh, the only re- reliable receivers that the Saints have had are Michael Thomas and Jared Cook. And if Smith can bring that, then you can see m- more of this potential Saints offense as opposed to the one that you saw earlier in the year. Uh, on the other side of that, though, Alvin Kamara, I, I, I didn't mention him on purpose because he has not been reliable, and he clearly is not healed from the high ankle sprain, knee injury, uh, whatever else is ailing him that he hasn't told anyone about. He does not look like the same player. He doesn't have the same burst. He doesn't have the same confidence. Uh, he's getting taken down in the open field. He's not making the first guy miss. It's really tough to watch if you're a, if you're a fan of good football. Uh, don't watch 41 right now because he's he's not playing up to what he can play. So, and and it should be noted, Latavius Murray is not an acceptable substitute for Mark Ingram, although he did play well in this game. It's just it's a clear downgrade, and I think that's affecting it as well. We we had a lot of chatter on this program, Trenton, last year about whether Alvin Kamara could be a number one back, and I believed that he could be. And the question remains and will remain going into next season: Is it an injury thing, or is it a he can't be a number one back by himself thing? Well, I mean. Even in the in the uh, situations where he used to thrive, where he gets the ball in the open field, he's got to make one guy miss. He's getting taken down. Uh, that's not necessarily a number one back thing. That's that's what Alvin Kamara does. He's that satellite guy. He, he's the guy that's going to wiggle free and break or make a two yard play into a thirty yard play. And he just hasn't been that guy. All right. Uh, anything else on this game before we move on? Injuries on on the Forty Nine ers side. They lost center Weston Richburg for the year. Big big blow. Uh, just to even things up, the Saints lost uh, defensive end Marcus Davenport for the year to a foot injury. So a, a couple of uh, big injuries here that, that the 49ers and the Saints are going to have to deal with going forward. There were quite a few injuries in this game. Sheldon Rankins went out. Uh, the Saints are already missing their top two, or, sorry, uh, two of their top three linebackers. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of too many. Uh, Richard Sherman went out with a hamstring uh, yeah, there's just D, a lot D of D Ford was hurt at some point in this yes, game, too. Yes, D Ford was uh, hurt very early in this game. He hardly played. Uh, so there you go. This was not a free game for either team. Though the 49ers walked away with a win, they were also walking away without their starting center. And uh, that, that could be a concern going forward, or they could just make mincemeat of their injury problems as they have all year. Well, I was going to say, earlier in the show, you referred to the 49ers as the best team in the NFL. I mean, does the West does the Western Richburg injury really concern you that much, or do you think it is something that, like their other injuries this year, they'll be able to mask, or do you think at some point all of these things are going to bubble over and it's just going to be, well, they're, they've kind of fallen apart just due to the injuries? No, this team I don't think is capable of falling apart, and I don't think they're necessarily capable of looking bad. Uh, I do think they're capable of being beaten. Obviously, they have been beaten, 
but this team is going to be a really tough out pretty much no matter what happens. It's really well coached. They're very smart about their schemes. I think that Ben Garland came in when he did, and he played really well at the center position. Uh, that's not always going to be the case. Obviously, last week when Jaquaski Tart went out and Marcel Harris came in for the, at the safety position, he looked really good, but he actually got roasted in this game a few times. So it's not always going to be perfect, but the 49ers have, I, I think, just a really good winning formula and a really um, kind of a transforming team. They, they can play in any type of game, and I think they'll be competitive. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings coming away with a needed 20-7 to victory over the hopeless Lions, <laughs> who, uh, by the way, started the year 3-0-1, are now 3-9-1. You can do nice. the math on that. Uh, Minnesota didn't look great today, or today, on when, I don't know, whenever the game was played. Look, Trent, I did 16 hours of driving yesterday. <laughs> I, don't need to, I don't need to prove anything to you people. Anyway... No the Vikings played one of those classic uh, Minnesota games, and I say classic when I when I say classic, I'm referring to the early 2019 seasons Vikings games where they just ran the ball a ton. I mean, right. they ran the ball down the Lions' throats. It, this game really is not as competitive as the final score would maybe suggest, despite the fact that it was already a two-score victory. Uh, the Lions didn't do anything in this game until the very end. Some serious garbage time, David Blau nonsense. Well, I think the Vikings defense did what they were supposed to do against a David Blau quarterback team with as many injuries as they have. Uh, by the way, uh, Marvin Jones was lost for the year in this game. Uh, so yet another, I mean, there, were, there were quite a few injuries lost for year uh, players that we'll get to, and Marvin Jones is just another one of them. Uh, so already injury filled for the Lions, and uh, they lose another starter on offense. So, you know, you expect the Vikings to take care of the business, and they did. And ultimately, that's really the only takeaway. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about, uh, okay, here's one of the more interesting results of Sunday uh, was that the the Broncos came away not only with a win over the Houston Texans, uh, who, let me just say right off the top, it's games like these that cause me to have absolutely zero faith in the Texans week after week because they keep doing this. Like they keep looking really good for weeks in a row, and then they'll have a stinker like this in which – Again, the final score, the game was not nearly as competitive as the final score would suggest. 38-24, to 24, Texans scored 14 points late in the game, and it was already over. It was actually 38-3 to three at one point. So they actually scored Ugh. the final 21 points. Awful. Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was really, really, really bad. I mean, Drew Locke looked like an absolute superstar. And nothing, not to take anything away, because this is Drew Locke's first road start against a team that... I mean, they're eight and five now. They came into this game eight and four. They had just beaten the Patriots. They've had some good wins. They've looked good at times. This isn't a, a total pushover slouch Houston Texans team. They got players. Is the uh, Patriots win a good win? It's an okay win. I mean, the Patriots have been competitive in every game this year, outside of I guess arguably the Ravens game. Well, yeah, because uh, so, they have the best coach in the NFL. I would hope that they'd be competitive in every game. I wish that they would well, blow some teams out and prove some good teams out and prove that they're actually a playoff caliber team. Because I don't know that they are, and I certainly don't think Houston is after a performance like this against really not a very good Bronco. I mean, better than maybe better than five and eight, but pretty mediocre overall. Yeah, and that's the whole point here. You have a good defense, a really good defense, in fact, and uh, they just made life really tough on Deshaun Watson throughout this game. Uh, 
The running game worked when they used it, uh, the, the Texans. But once again, you see just a lack of patience, a lack of discipline in the play calling. And uh, the game's getting away from Bill O'Brien, who just, I think, continues to show that he doesn't understand what, what's going to work with this squad from week to week uh, and just the game plans that he's coming up with. You got to know that against the Broncos, you you keep it low scoring. You know, I mean, this this whole thing was ridiculous. This whole game was ridiculous. There were so many mistakes by the Texans. There were so many amazing plays by the Broncos. I think this was just a season's worth of frustration that just got taken out on the Texans. But I mean, they were vulnerable enough to take it. So another game for the Texans. Texans are legitimate in the playoffs, even if they do make it. Another game for the Texans in which they do not have Will Fuller where they don't play very well on offense. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Kiki Kute did have a fumble, and that fumble got returned for a touchdown in a, in a magnificent play. I don't know if you saw that one, but it was great. I'll have to look at it. I didn't really pay much. Like what, when, Once this game you know, started to get out of hand, I, I really kind of stopped paying attention. I had, I had other things on my mind, like enjoying my vacation and not watching the Broncos and Texans. <laughs> it was actually a pretty fun watch. Um, if well, I only mean, to see like, if only to see what you think of a uh, drill performance, check it out. And then there's some really good highlights too. On I did actually, side. I did watch a lot of drew lock tape over the, over the uh, drive. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this, but what I did was on the drive back, I set up my phone like right in front of my speedometer and I set my speedometer okay. at, at like the speed limit. Right. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't endangering myself, but I was, you know, kind of keeping half an eye on the phone <laughs> and then the other one and a half eyes on the road. All right. All right. So, so we're, we're admitting to uh, to some crimes here on, on the After Review podcast. Uh, there's a statute of limitations on driving related crimes, and I believe that statute is when you are in the car and driving. I mean, if you if you so if you are speeding and you know the cops start coming after you as long as you get home and get out of the car they can't arrest you anymore because you're done driving wow that's the truth that's crazy try it sometime i i won't (laughs) not you our audience can try it all right next game we don't recommend Uh, that (laughs) i do the green bay packers and the washington redskins a uh, 20 to 15 win for the packers um, not really a ton of positive takeaways uh, for either team. It's just kind of a sloppy, ugly game. There were a couple of sloppy, ugly games, and and really, I'm, I'm starting to, I'm really starting to fall off the Packers bandwagon here. And I, I don't know how long I was ever truly on it. All year, they've looked like a finesse team. They don't run the ball enough. They did actually run the ball in this game. Uh, Aaron Jones has, has reverted back to his excellent earlier in the season self, but. Aaron Rodgers hasn't looked right, and and this is not a great Redskins team, and they they ugly it they ugly it up for sure. But uh, I'm just I'm not convinced that this Packers team is going to make any real noise uh, come postseason time. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that they're definitely going to lose another game. I think they could absolutely lose to the Bears this week. Um, uh, on the Redskins side of, of things, I actually really like what Bill Callahan's done with the Redskins. I think they're a much more fun watch now than they were with uh, Jay Gruden early in the year. Well, he's waste, um, he's slowed the game down. He's yeah. made it really simple. I mean, we're reverting well, back to like 1940s, 1950s style of football at this point. Yeah, and so or so few teams are doing that that it's just taking uh, taking teams like the Packers who expect to just come in here and run them over uh, just by by total shock. Uh, 
they're pretty effective in the running game. It's not super efficient. Uh, Darius Geis was giving them a pretty explosive edge. By the way, Darius Geis out for the season again. Mm. This time, it's a it's an MCL this time, so no ACL damage. It will not linger into the off season. It should be a pretty quick fix. But because we're so close to the end of the season, they went ahead and put him on IR. I mean, that's that's the right move for a guy who has been injury prone. I wouldn't be concerned really by this injury itself, but you don't right. want to be trotting a guy out there. And, and, and plus, now you give uh, Adrian Peterson a chance to break uh, the all-time touchdown record. There you go. Um, anything else on this? No. No, this is yeah. a terrible game. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> uh, okay, this game may or may not have playoff implications, depending on who you ask. But how about the Cincinnati Bengals at 1-12 uh, at and 12 and the Cleveland Browns <laughs> now 6-7? and seven. Cleveland continues to win the game, like some of the games that it should, but really doesn't look particularly convincing in, in any of those wins. Really, the, the offense continues to struggle. Mayfield is still completing under 50% of his passes, had some truly atrocious interceptions in this game, and yeah. really the only thing that the Browns have going for them, in my mind at this point, is is just their running game. And they need to lean into that thing hard if they want any chance of making the playoffs because Nick Chubb is a, the man. And so is Kareem Hunt, for that matter. There is absolutely there is absolutely no chance the the Browns are making the playoffs. So let's put well, that, that no, that right I, now. I don't disagree with you. We cast them <laughs> into oblivion weeks ago, but I'm just saying that if they want to, they're going to have to lean right. into that running game. This passing game is totally broken right now. I I think that at this point it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, you do want to lean in the run game, I, let it go first, but I mean, don't put so much on Mayfield's plate at this point. I mean, just. Give him simple reads, you know, build his confidence back up right now. Cause right now it's clear that his confidence is pretty much shot. Uh, he's just, he's not the same player he was. And yeah, as a result, they're, they're just not looking as good. And I don't, you, you never would have seen Baker Mayfield have this type of game last year. So something's wrong and they really need to get back to the basics with him. And uh, ultimately I think that Freddie Kitchens needs to be out as, as a head coach. Cause I, I don't, I can't, I can't see a more disappointing team in the NFL this year. There are teams that are, I think, equally disappointing, like the Falcons. Uh, but ultimately, this is a failure, I think, by the head coach more than anything, just handling I think this it's team. An, I think it's another failure just on the organization as a whole. Right. I mean, this is the type of culture that the Browns have. Even when they win these games, they can't escape – the constant barrage of negative storylines. Baker Mayfield calling out the training staff after the game. It's like these wins don't feel like wins. They beat the Steelers on Sunday night or Monday night football. Thursday and night football. Th- Thursday, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and and the storyline is that uh, one of the one of their players tried to kill another player with a piece of equipment, and now it's Baker Mayfield calling out the members of the team for things that are not under anyone's control. Yeah, I just don't and, get it. And whose fault is that? I mean, at some point it is the players, but at some point it's the guy that's put in charge of the players. I, I think Kitchens has done a really poor job at ha- handling this team and handling the potential uh, drama that comes with it. All year, I mean, Odell Beckham's been a problem. Uh, so, ultimately, you knew this was going to be a tough job and that if things didn't go perfectly, it was going to fall apart pretty quickly, and I think that's uh, that's just how it's played out. Make no mistake, I don't disagree with you on the Freddie Kitchens thing. I just I just think that... If it were possible to fire the owner, I think they should fire the owner because I think that's really where all this nonsense starts. John Dorsey's a problem. The owner is a problem. Uh, Jimmy Haslam is, is is a big problem. Freddie Kitchens has been a problem. Baker Mayfield's a problem. Odell Beckham is a problem. 
all kinds of problems. Miles Garrett. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, it's tough before, to we move on, before we move <laughs> on from this game, uh, I'm just going to read, because I find it funny, I'm going to read the drive summaries from the first quarter. Bengals field goal. Browns interception. Bengals interception. Bengals field goal. Browns interception. Bengals touchdown. That's the first quarter. That's an action-packed first quarter, man. That's fun <laughs> stuff. All right. Uh, next game. Another one of the highly anticipated games of the week, certainly from our perspective, Trenton. Uh, we didn't get a chance to circle games, but I'm sure that this would have been one of them as well as that Saints 49ers matchup. How about the Ravens and the Bills? The Bills with yet another Absolutely. chance to prove that they are a legitimate team. And, uh, didn't happen, although I will – because this game really probably wasn't as competitive as that final score would indicate either, except for the fact that the Bills did have it fourth and eight inside the Baltimore red zone at the very end of the game. So, I mean, they could have taken this to overtime. Sure. And, uh, I mean, ultimately, I just – I mean, I understand that people want to talk about Lamar Jackson, but I think Josh Allen's had a really impressive season, too, where he's continuing to build on on his strengths and – I mean, this is a well-coached Bills team, and it as is. much as I, as much as I'm sad that that they lost the game, at some point the Ravens are just going to take this crown of being the best team in the NFL because they're really freaking good. Yeah, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, life was miserable, for shockingly Josh Allen good for most of this. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you called it earlier in the season when you said that once the secondary rounds into shape, it's going to be a really good defense. I don't think any of us saw it coming how good it was going to be. And that just makes them so tough because they have this running game with Mark Ingram, with Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, uh, where they can just grind it out and keep keep drives going, keep the ball away from whoever they're playing. And uh, the defense is also opportunistic, which gives them even more opportunities on the offensive side. Uh, the way the Ravens are playing football right now, it's going to be really, really, really tough to beat them in the playoffs. So... That From that perspective, uh, it's been impressive. From the Bills' perspective, obviously, they're going to be in any game, too. Uh, they have a defense that's absolutely good enough to handle things when the offense isn't on track. You'd like to see the offense start off a little faster. And uh, Other than, I think, the Cowboys game, we haven't really seen a complete game from that offense. Uh, so we need to see more of that. We need to see Josh Allen looking good in all four quarters, not just the fourth quarter. It's encouraging that he looks good in the fourth quarter, and it's going to be important. Uh, but he needs to look better in the first three. I mean, this is the first defense that's really been able to shut Lamar Jackson down to an extent this season. Yeah, I, I, and I, I'm actually not surprised. I felt like they had the personnel to do it, if anyone did, and especially uh, middle linebacker Tremaine Edmonds is an absolute athletic freak. 6'5", 250, runs a 4'5". If you're going to have anyone spy Lamar Jackson or key in on him, I mean, that's the kind of athlete I think you need. Yeah, uh, Tredavious White also having a really nice season. Uh, our guy, right. my guy, yes. Tredavious White. <laughs> um, so uh, one other thing on this game uh, before we move on here. Um, well, don't, don't by the way, give me too much credit on what I said about the Ravens' defense because while I did say that the defense would round into form, and yes, you're right, I don't think either of us knew that it was going to be as good as it has been. Uh, don't give me too much credit on the Ravens because I did say that I believe the Ravens were a five or six win talent level roster, and uh, maybe they are. But yeah, I don't know. Ulti- I mean, ultimately, Lamar Jackson has taken more than enough uh, next steps to prove that he is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL, and that's a big deal considering that both of us thought that he wasn't even backup fodder, really. 
uh, when it when it came down to it because he couldn't complete passes. Yeah, and he still has some of those accuracy issues from time to time. But I, I guess maybe what we didn't consider was the intangibles. And we've heard, I've heard stories all year about how how hard of a worker Lamar Jackson is and how he went into the offseason and completely retooled uh, his throwing motion and. Uh, just worked worked at it and kept working at it. And I don't know why more players don't do this if it actually works, but he looks like he can actually throw a football at the NFL level now through one offseason of work. I think that's unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. He's like a he's like a Michael Vick who makes better decisions, <laughs> I think is probably the best. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good one. He can read a blitz. Mike Vick could never do that, ever. Absolutely. Up until the end. All right, next game. Uh, no playoff implications in this one, so whatever. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, 40-20 to win over the Carolina Panthers. And Kyle Allen is, is rapidly playing his way out of, uh, of consideration for the Panthers, I think, in the future. Um, Christian McCaffrey hasn't looked right for the last few weeks. It's still reeling right. from the injury. I, I think. Do you think there's any chance that he gets shut down, or do you think he's still healthy enough to – I mean, he had 22 touches in this game. Oh, he, they'll keep playing him. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to keep playing this season. I, I, um, now, whether he should, I, I think maybe you should shut him down because if he has a big injury, a catastrophic injury, something like that, then that really affects what the Panthers do going forward. Um, from the Kyle Allen perspective, by the way, he actually had a stretch there a, a couple of games, I think three games where he looked really good, uh, and this was just kind of a step back to – uh, the, the mid-season struggles that we saw and against a familiar opponent in the Falcons who gave him quite a bit of trouble four weeks ago. Well, I mean, that that was the game that I was thinking of where he played poorly against the Falcons right. and he played really poorly in this game too. And I don't have any other notes on this game. Um, yeah, that, that's Devontae all I got. Devontae Freeman finally looking like Devontae Freeman in this game. In a plus matchup, no doubt, but it was good to see. About time. Hey, you know who uh, had two sacks and two forced fumbles in this game? Oh, gosh. Vic Beasley. Oh, no. <laughs> by, the, by, the, the, way, by the way. Let the uh, discourse continue. Yeah, so speaking of Vic Beasley, uh, Ryan Ramchek's given up one sack all year. It was to Vic Beasley. My goodness, what a weird stat. That is a weird stat. <laughs> Vic Beasley, who had, who had what, uh, 16 pressures and 15 sacks the other year, now all of a sudden making plays on a weekly basis. What what is going on? <laughs> it's weird, man. I mean, there, we we've we said it going into the season that this Falcon seems extremely talented. We expected them to be better, and they've shown it in some games. But man, it's got to be the all coaching. Right. Let's move on and talk about the Los Angeles Chargers coming away with a forty-five to ten win over Oof Trenton. <laughs> How about the worst team in the NFL over the last few weeks, and maybe the worst team yeah. in the NFL at this point period? The Jags totally incompetent uh Doug Marone is a dead man walking I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been fired in season but I mean sometimes when coaches are with an organization for a while they they give them the respect of not bothering to fire them in season but he will be gone following the end of the season uh here any any notes from this game I don't really have anything it's just things aren't right in Jacksonville the offense is broken and and I just it's just a sad sad state of affairs I mean, this kind of just felt like a let's take out all our frustrations kind of game for the Chargers who just nothing's gone right for them this season. Uh, and finally, Phillip Rivers looks magnificent. 16 of 22, 314, three touchdowns, no picks. O- Anyone looks great against sack. this Jags defense. The Jags offense is broken. The defense might be even worse. But how about Austin Eckler, man? 
Eight oh, carries, yeah. 101 yards for a 12-6 average. Four catches, 112 yards for a 28 average, along of 84 and a touchdown. This dude is, the, I think, the most underrated weapon in the NFL. He's been so impressive this year, just week in and week out. And real shame that he's stuck on a Chargers team that's not going to be in the playoffs. I'm trying to find his total yards from scrimmage this year because I know he's got to be up there in the upper echelon of running backs. Uh, Christian McCaffrey level. Uh, production from Austin Eckler typically on a weekly basis it's been less so since Melvin Gordon has come back into the lineup but I mean dude makes plays he has a he has a yeah he has like four games of 100 receiving yards or at least almost 100 receiving yards this season crazy in the last two years I think he's been the highest uh, graded receiving back and I think earlier this year sorry uh, according to pro football focus and I think earlier this year he was actually the highest graded receiver period so what pretty crazy stuff but like yeah. the the highest graded like receiver of the football any position, yes. Yes. what? Yeah, I find me that stat. That's hard to believe. <laughs> I don't know if it's still the case, but I did read it earlier this year. Speaking of hard to believe, Trenton, the Tennessee Titans have become a watchable football team. Oh my god! With a fort and uh, over a team that we previously thought was watchable, the Oakland Raiders, they they come away with a forty-two to twenty-one win. And uh, I mean, I, I feel like I'm starting off every recap with quarterback play at this point, but. How can you talk about the Titans without talking about the revitalization of not only the team, but of their starting quarterback and a guy who might be playing themselves into the future plans of the organization at that position, Ryan Tannehill, a guy who I never thought was fun to watch. (laughs) And now all of a sudden he looks like a legit quarterback. He makes good decisions. He gets the ball out quick. He's able to make use of the, I think, extreme array of weapons that the Titans bring out on a week-to-week basis. A.J. Brown is really coming on right now. He had a great game in his own right. Uh, Derrick Henry's running the ball really well. But besides that, the the Tennessee Titans offensive line is the best offensive line in the NFL the last three weeks uh, by almost any metric. And uh, it starts there. It really does. Uh, Tannehill's not putting him in bad positions, but he's also getting time, which it's crazy. (laughs) The whole thing's crazy. I mean, this is this is the top of the absolute top of the potential for the Titans, and we're seeing it on a week to week basis. That's pretty rare. Derrick Henry, uh, over the past eighteen weeks of football, Trenton, I believe, leads the NFL in uh, rushing yards. There you go. Helped mm. by uh, that one two hundred yard game, I think. But uh... well, yeah, but I mean, but still, <laughs> I mean, he outpaces that's Ezekiel Elliott, who's in second place. I mean, that's got to give him credit on that. Yeah, definitely. As a pure runner, he's been impressive. Uh, Obviously, doesn't see. bring much to the receiving game. Any any big time Raiders notes? I don't really have anything. They still continue to be a complete desert wasteland at the receiver position, which is causing right. problems. I, I think that's going to have to be a position that they are going to want to address. Uh, from they'll a, certainly have the picks to do it. I mean, they they will. They'll have a good pick in the in the it's first actually, round of the draft too. And it's actually a really good year for receivers. So. Uh, if you need help at receiver position like the Raiders do, never fear. There are some very good first-round options. Uh, Jerry Judy, I think, leads the pack, but there's there's a bunch. What I think's happening with the Raiders, I think they're regressing to the mean. Uh, I think that this team was playing over its head earlier in the year, and obviously we, we talked about the offensive efficiency. That's really tough to sustain, and it's kind of fallen off recently. Obviously Tyrell Williams was on a tear earlier in the year, uh, getting a touchdown in every game. I don't think he's fully... Um, healed from his injury and he doesn't look like the same player which it just makes it tough on Derek Carr when the only reliable receiver he has is tight end Darren Waller 
uh, and ultimately, I think that's what you're seeing. Um, Kansas City and New England. How about a uh, t- pretty much telegraphed, in my mind, Kansas City win over New England, 23-16, to 16, really a lot closer than I probably would have expected, although, again, a lot of that uh, just came from New England. Uh, New England's defense just kind of keeping them in this game. Kansas City is so reliant on Patrick Mahomes to, to be magnificent. I, I feel like that's got to be a big concern for them going forward. They're 9-4, and four and they – they look like they have some issues, too. I'm not super confident in the Chiefs uh, heading into the, the postseason. Well, there's a couple of problems here. Uh, I, I think it really starts with the rushing They can't game. run the ball. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they can't run the ball. They don't really run the ball. Uh, and when they do try to run the ball, they have games like this. 29 carries, 75 yards, 2.6 average. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I can't blame them for not calling runs because right now it's just, it's not working. And all you really have to funnel the offense through is big plays from Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, hasn't looked quite right since his injury. Uh, um, and again, in this game, made some poor decisions, made some poor throws. And obviously, there's a lot on his plate right now. And they did get the win. But overall, I, I think that you see just the offense kind of coming back back to the middle of the pack, which I think is understandable because I think the offensive line has had problems and they've been masked and they're starting to get unmasked. So let's move over to the Patriots side of things here. And because to me, Trenton, this is a malfunctioning offense on a weekly basis, right? I mean, they, they are another team that can't really run the ball, but they can't really throw the ball much either. They continue to have problems at receiver. I mean, they, it feels like they've been searching for a solution at this position all season, but the only receiver who had more than four targets in this game was Julian Edelman, uh, who was also the only guy who actually did anything. Uh, I, I guess James White had some snaps at receiver, and he he also had some targets. But I mean, it's just a big problem, and they just don't have the firepower necessary to compete. I, I'm not going to put it all on the quarterback. I'm not going to put it all on the offensive line, which is underperformed. I just it's just not a great offensive roster. Well, yeah, and the offensive line has sustained major injuries throughout the season. Uh, so that certainly knocks them off schedule. Obviously, the receiver position, they lost some big big players uh, in the offseason. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski retired. Uh, getting rid of Josh Gordon, I guess, made sense from a future perspective, but it takes away that threat of Josh Gordon, which I think probably helped their offense more well, than they Yeah, it should be noted, like, they tried to fix the number one receiver position. They brought in Josh right. Gordon. They brought in Antonio Brown. It just didn't work out. I mean, they, they tried yeah. to draft and kill Harry, who hasn't panned out, but he's been hurt. They tried to trade for Mohamed Sanu to get something going. That hasn't worked. It, they don't have anything. It's just yeah. everything they've tried has failed, and that's that's unusual for the Patriots, I feel like. No, it's, it's absolutely unusual, and I think that's why people are kind of going, uh, you cry me a river <laughs> with, the, with the whole well, Patriots uh, offense situation. But it's tough. It really is, because right now Tom Brady just, beyond Julian Edelman, he doesn't have a guy you can rely on, I mean, especially in those big moments uh, when he needs that touchdown at the end of the game uh, where he would typically have gone to uh, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, he goes to Matt Lacoste, and Matt Lacoste drops a, a catchable touchdown pass. Let's go ahead and move on, and let's talk about the uh, sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers' uh, win over the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals, who, uh, while looking promising and young and competitive at times over the season, just haven't been able to really put it all together uh, in most of their games. And this is, a, this is a game that was totally led by defense. The Steelers' defense continuing their ultimate domination. I mean, they, they're, they're getting all kinds of sacks. They're forcing fumbles. They're, they're causing tons of turnovers. Kyler Murray hasn't looked right. He's he's been kind of dealing with some injuries, but this to me, 
Steelers defense just put their fingerprints all over this game. Right, and TJ Watt is, the, is playing some unbelievable football right now. Yeah, that's been the case with the Steelers all year, and I think for the last few years they've been really good at pressuring the quarterback. Obviously, you do mention TJ Watt. Uh, we mentioned, I think, on an earlier show that Bud Dupree was having a career year. Cameron Hayward's looking really good. There's just they can attack you in a lot of different ways. Uh, they also blitz the inside linebackers, so it's a lot to handle for any opposing offensive line, and certainly. Uh, an opposing offensive line in the Cardinals, which I think have played above their head a lot this year, uh, just kind of met a pretty pretty tough to stop force here. And you know, whenever your offensive line isn't working, the rest of the offense is going to work either. So no running game, no passing game, and that, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Uh, too much play on Murray's plate, and eventually he's going to press and make mistakes, and he did in this game. Uh, next game, let's talk about the Sunday night game, Trenton. I just just occurred to me that we totally skipped over the Thursday night game, which is funny because that's one of the more interesting uh, outcomes, the, the Dallas and uh, Chicago game. But let, let's do the Sunday night game first, then we'll do the Thursday. Um, the Rams, with an utter decimation of the playoff-bound Seattle Seahawks, a very important win for the Rams here, and uh, maybe one that uh, that had we been doing gut picks last week, I don't think I would have selected. I don't know that you would have either. No. Um, but uh, suddenly the Rams can run the ball again, and suddenly they look like a functioning NFL offense again. And, I mean, clearly the the Seahawks are dealing with a lot of injuries themselves on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Chris Carson doesn't look quite right. I think Tyler Lockett hasn't looked right for weeks. Um, There's some problems with the Seattle offense right now at a a kind of bad time, frankly. No, and that's the whole thing. I, I think it really starts with Tyler Lockett and him not being healthy. Uh, that's kind of where the offensive problems started. And when you don't have that reliable receiver, uh, I, we mentioned it with the Tom Brady, you you look worse. I mean, you, you don't have that guy that you can go to in these big situations when you need points, when you need to sustain drives. Uh, Tyler Lockett has yielded the, uh, the highest pass rating, I think, two years in a row now uh, from a quarterback to a receiver. So he's obviously a really reliable target and one that Russell Wilson – needs i think to to function in this offense because overall this offense doesn't have a ton of playmakers that they rely on a lot of young guys uh, and it's well built but it's well built unless you take a piece out and i think that tyler lockett was a really important piece and it's starting to show uh i have one other note from this game a little coming out party for tyler higby the last couple weeks two straight yeah. games uh with over 100 yards receiving how about that and uh, it's no it's no coincidence that this Rams offense is looking better with all of its pieces healthy. I, outside of obviously Gerald Effort is hurt, but they have their top three receivers: Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. Robert Woods with his first touchdown of the year, uh, surprisingly, because he he's had a pretty good year. But uh, yeah, it's it's a tough offense to defend when everyone's kind of there. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of what we knew about this Rams team. They've been dealing with problems of their own all year with the running game, with certainly with the offensive line. And I mean, that, but then they'll have games like this where they look kind of like the Rams of old. I mean, Jared Goff cont- continues some questionable decision making, and he's not perfect. Uh, but ultimately, this Rams team has uh, maybe a higher ceiling than I think a lot of us. Uh, cer- I think certainly me, but but a lot of people in the media gave them credit for. Right. And uh, credit to this Rams defense for bouncing back from an absolute embarrassment by the Ravens on Monday Night Football. They've played really, really well since then. A lot of teams have been embarrassed by the Ravens in primetime this year, though. Yep. No question about that. 
All right. Another team that got embarrassed in primetime, Trenton. How about your Dallas Cowboys? Uh, I mean, losing what feels like, based on the way the media and the fans and the team is reacting, what feels like their 13th loss in a row at this point. But right. but no. Uh, really, a lot of garbage time. Uh, I mean, really, they did not look good for no. all of this game. They looked terrible. Well, I mean, Outside the, of so one drive at the beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah, they, they come out and they run this 17-play, 70-something-yard touchdown drive. Oh, I loved it. It was my favorite thing. I love drives like that. You know and that. It, yeah, it, it took off like nine minutes or whatever. And you, you think like, oh, yeah, I mean, th- this is it. This is a, they, they finally got their act together. On the next drive, they actually forced an interception of Trubisky at the, at the one-yard line. Uh, so that kind of puts them in a tough position on the offensive side, and they go three and out. Then the defense gives up a touchdown, and all hell breaks loose. The defense I was gonna say, breaks, I mean, the offense breaks, everything breaks, and they look terrible basically until the fourth quarter. It feels like it couldn't have started better yeah. for the Cowboys. No, but, it, but then it's it exactly just, how you draw it up. Uh, they couldn't sustain pa- more than like half a quarter of intensity, it seemed. Not to pat myself on the back too much about this, but I did say at the very beginning of the year that this season was perfectly set up for an Eagles run at the end of the year with games against the Redskins and the Giants and the Cowboys with with a more difficult schedule against a a Bears team that is now over 500. They've played Buffalo, who we both liked. They've had to play the Patriots, who have a winning record. And, I mean, ultimately, they're losing to teams with winning records, so it's not the worst thing in the world for a team that, that, I mean, is under 500, but they've definitely underachieved. They should be winning some of these games. I think this is a very winnable game, and I think they'll be kicking themselves later in the year if they don't make the playoffs, they'll look at this game and say, what went wrong? Why couldn't we beat the Bears? Yeah. I mean, this one, I, I think ultimately because the uh, the, Dolph- or the Dolphins beat the Eagles in the previous week, maybe there wasn't that sense of urgency. Uh, maybe it's a coaching issue. For whatever reason, the Cowboys just couldn't sustain the level of energy they needed to play against the team and the Bears who have looked pretty good recently. Uh, and especially Trubisky with his... Uh, newfound this year running ability which just really challenged their defense uh, it feels like you, the coaching lack staff of energy lack of it spirit. feels like the coaching staff is is hasn't tried to put trubisky in a box the last couple of weeks it feels right. like they're letting him be a playmaker on some level and you know it works at times uh, other times he throws terrible interceptions like the one you saw early in this game right. uh, but ultimately I mean, he did play well, and he's been playing well, and you have to wonder whether or not he's played himself back into the Bears' plans because halfway through this season, you would have thought that Trubisky was a dead man walking in terms of uh, you know, being the Bears' starting quarterback next season. Bears were bad for a long time with Trubisky at quarterback this, se- yep. this year. It looked almost hopeless. Like You would expect them to score maybe a touchdown a game, if that, and uh, all of a sudden now they're scoring 31 against a very talented, albeit kind of broken Cowboys team. Ugh. So, I guess it, it seems only fitting that we now talk about the other NFC East team that is, <laughs> is still in playoff contention despite being under 500, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. The Giants, meanwhile, have lost nine in a row. The Eagles are barely managing to keep their head above water uh, with a receiving core that features now one NFL starting wide receiver named Greg Ward. Alshon Jeffrey is now out for the year along with Deshaun Jackson. They lost J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in this game. Largely, it's just Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and Boston Scott, who uh, making plays for this Eagles team on offense. Uh, Lane Johnson also out for the year. Big concerns for this Eagles offense. Okay, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned Lane Johnson. I wasn't sure that he was actually out for the year, but 
Alshon Jeffrey obviously is. I I didn't see actually Arcega Whiteside go out or Arcega Whiteside, which I've heard many of the uh, commentators call him. I'm just going with what the commentators are saying, <laughs> man. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I have no idea what it is. I, I certainly didn't see that in the lead up to the draft process. Uh, you also mentioned Boston Scott, former Saint preseason hero, by the way. Uh, <laughs> preseason <got> hero. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Looked, looked pretty good. Uh, in this by game. the way, by the way, Lane Johnson not out for the year. I misspoke on that one. Okay. He, he's week to week with that ankle injury. That's right. Okay, but I mean, no question that the Eagles are dealing with serious, serious injury issues, and that's a concern because I mean they struggled to put away this Giants team. They absolutely could have, and uh, arguably, if you watch the flea flicker play in which Eli Manning misses a wide open Golden Tate to go up two touchdowns, uh, they maybe should have lost this game and. You can't let teams like this stick around if you're the Eagles. I mean, same thing with the Cowboys and the Bears. They should have put them away. Uh, both these, neither of these teams seems willing or necessarily able to take the bull by the horns, take this huge advantage in a what would otherwise be a broken season. And consider the fact that they have the same record as the Raiders, uh, <laughs> the same record as the Browns. And they have a chance here to go into the postseason, and neither of these teams is playing up like it. They don't seem to want to go to the postseason, and it's, it's I don't just think, embarrassing. I don't think there's any maybe about the Giants should have won this game. They absolutely should have won this game because this was a game that featured uh, just about every player on the Eagles starting offense to start the year with the exception of Carson Wentz and like Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey in the two tight ends, like, everyone else is gone. They don't have anything left on this offense apart from those guys that I just mentioned. And meanwhile, Darius Slayton is, is running all over the field making plays on guys like Ronald Darby, who we were led to believe as Eagles fans when, when they brought him over was going to be this great young corner who was going to provide a, an element of toughness and, you know, hard-nosed football to, to a defense that had been lacking it. And, uh, frankly, he got a little bit torched in this game. Right. Uh, to the tune of five yards and a, or five receptions for 154 yards, two touchdowns. I know nobody cares about your fantasy team, Trent, but uh, <laughs> if I had started Darius Slayton instead of Alshon Jeffrey, who caught zero passes in this game, I would be moving on to the semifinals of our fantasy league. But alas, that's it for me. I feel for you, man. It's okay. I'm, I'm oh. gonna get. I'm gonna get an early exit too. It, it's it, everything's going wrong for me. Mike Evans is uh, potentially out for the year. I, we didn't mention that in the Bucks game, but that, that's a thing. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's getting shut down. Yeah, he's not looking that good. Aaron Jones is who knows what who's going to show up that week. I have serious quarterback problems. I mentioned in our chat that <laughs> well, my team's all smoke and mirrors. It absolutely is. I have no idea how I won this many games. And I can't wait to sign Blake Bortles and, and play out the string. <laughs> it's going to be a great finish to the season, as usual. Yeah, I always make it to the playoffs, and I always week. lose in the first round. Never fails. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. Sad. All right, Nobody any, any other notes about this game? I don't, I don't have anything on this game. This was an ugly football game. It was. It was. Yeah. Maybe the ugliest of the year. Not too much to say here. Uh, this is, These are two teams that are basically going nowhere. If the Eagles make the playoffs, they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. And part of that is injuries, and part of that, honestly, I don't know, man. It's a frustrating team to watch, much like the Cowboys. It's kind of fun that Eli Manning, for his career, is now one game under five hundred. And we're talking about him as a Hall of Fame uh, quarterback. Well, we're not, but some people do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Super Bowl to do that for you. He should probably retire after this year. He did not look good in this game at all. Not great, but obviously he didn't 
ruin the team's chances of winning like Daniel Jones has a lot this year. Fair enough. I can't argue with that. And uh, Pat, but I mean, really, Pat Shermer also got thoroughly outcoached at the end of this yes. game uh, with the time management and with just yes. his general, his general milk to- toastness as a head coach. Well, I mean, you hate the whole operation for what they what they did when they when the Eagles scored that uh, final touchdown to tie it at seventeen. The Giants had the ball with the two minute drill and they went three and out, and I think they passed it three times. They didn't even force the Eagles to take a timeout. It's just, <laughs> and then the Eagles go uh, turn around and they're not able to move the ball either. So, and that's pretty indicative of how the game went. It was just a lot of futility. Hideous. All right, that's it for the recaps. My goodness, with all the games that don't even matter at this point, you didn't think it would take like an hour, but it did. I think that's what <laughs> happens when there's like 16 games to cover. Right. Uh, and there are some interesting storylines, even in the games that don't matter. But let's go ahead and get on to the games that do matter now, Trenton. The games that are happening uh, now and in the future. Week 15, let's start with Thursday night football and the New York Jets paying a visit to the Baltimore Ravens. Ha, ha, ha. Ravens. <laughs> I'll take the Ravens. How could you possibly pick it? Come on. Uh, all right. Sunday now. The Seahawks and the Panthers. Seahawks at Panthers. Seahawks. Get right week for the Seahawks. Yep. How about Patriots at Bengals? Patriots. Come on now. We the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, we did. And I'm still taking the Patriots. Come on. Okay. All right. Uh, Bucks at Lions. Uh, Bucks. No playoff implications here. Uh, you Bucks. said Bucks. Yeah, I'll also take the Bucks. Yeah. Why not? They're like they're like a five hundred team. Yeah, they're they're playing pretty well right now. They they actually I think they're like four and one in their last five games or something. Well, there you go. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Bears at Packers. Big game for the Bears. Big game for the Packers, frankly. And it's at Lambeau. And it's uh, somehow it has not been flexed to the Sunday night game. I'm gonna take the Bears. <laughs> Wait a second. What is the Sunday night game? I don't know what the Sunday night game is. There isn't one. There currently is not one on this. Okay, this game's getting flexed, right? No, no. It's Steelers Bills, right? Wait, where is it, though? I don't see it on the list. Oh, there it is. Yeah. That's weird. Okay, yeah, well, a, that's a good one, too. It's a weird game for, I mean, it, looking at this schedule going into the season, you didn't necessarily think the Steelers Bills would be a marquee matchup. It's pretty interesting, though. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a marquee matchup in terms of, like, how watchable it's going to be from uh well from our perspective two great defenses going yeah. at it let's go but i mean most people don't really care for that as per what we saw in the super bowl last year yeah that's so. true anyway bears packers uh i'll take the uh i'm gonna take the bears wow. i don't know i don't know i'm just feeling it i thought i was alone <laughs> taking the bears yeah i took the bears i think maybe right. you didn't hear me <laughs> i did not i was i was worried about where the sunday night game was <laughs> okay i couldn't find it yeah all right, um, Broncos at Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs. You know what? I'm going to go with another upset special. I'm taking the Broncos. I like that. I I don't think it's crazy. Uh, no playoff implications here. That's for sure. How about Dolphins at Giants? <laughs> uh, 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 give me the Dolphins. Why not? Picking a tie. I'm picking a tie. <laughs> Wow. No, I'll take the I'll take no. the Dolphins too. I'll take the Dolphins too. I think this is the first time I've picked the Dolphins all year. Let's do it. Brian Flores I think for I've, president. I think I've picked them once before. You did. I think you got it right. 
I'm gonna have to go back on my uh, on my. I'm not watching the Dolphins this year because they're they're more interesting than than they were you know ten weeks ago. I just love watching Devontae Parker play football this year. It's been a pleasure. I loved his two catches for 29 yards in the last game. <laughs> All right, uh, Texans hurt, at man. Titans. Texans at Titans. Uh, Titans. Yeah, I'm going to take the Titans as well. Yeah. Uh, Who's playing better right now? <laughs> well, that would be the uh, the, the, the uh, Titans. I had a great um, I had a great line that I wrote in the car on the way back home yesterday. Uh, where I knew we were going to talk about the Titans a little bit, uh, a little bit more, and I had a great Mitch Holtis impression going, and now I can't remember what the line is, but I wanted to give one of those like you know touchdown Titans, uh, but I can't remember nice what it was. I have no idea what, what that dude's name was, but he is iconic. Oh, he's fan. Oh, well, I have to know the name. He's so good. Anyway, uh, Eagles at Redskins, another uh, twelve p.m start time or 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. for you i'll take the redskins i, I mean i don't know i i, I feel like it has, has to, to be win, the right? eagles the eagles i mean the eagles have an actual like head coach and they have you know the i don't Red, know the redskins also had a chance to win against the packers and they've looked pretty competitive lately and they've won i mean they games. are they are playing better they're playing better I just I don't know I can't take the, I I can't take the Redskins I can't do it sorry <laughs> much like I couldn't take the Bears last week oh well yeah yeah uh well we didn't do picks last week but you uh, yeah. probably wouldn't have taken the Bears anyway um how about Browns at Cardinals first afternoon game oh, that was tough uh Cardinals I think <laughs> let's go Cardinals it feels like the type of game that the Browns will inevitably lose based on the season that they've had but at the yeah. same time. Like, there's part of me that's just like, yeah, it'll work out. I'm going to take the Browns. I don't know. Good for you. Have fun alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll have, yeah. Uh, how about Jaguars at Raiders? Raiders. Uh, yeah, I'll I'm take sorry Raiders. that took so long. <laughs> uh, Rams at Cowboys. How long is this going to take? Rams. Man, the Cowboys have a tough schedule down the stretch. Yeah. It's it's not getting any easier, but I I do think that luckily for them they only have to win one more game. Uh, I will take the Rams. That's that's. You realize <laughs> that the Eagles that get the Redskins and the Giants, and the you're Giants saying that they so, should have lost to, and and, yeah, and but, they're going to the Giants this time. The Eagles, but what you're are saying, obviously a better team at home. So you're saying the Eagles lose to the Redskins, Giants, and Cowboys to close out the year. I 100% believe that's what's going on. I cannot for I, I understand that they are just destroyed on offense. I cannot envision that happening. I'm sorry. I'm taking the Rams, by the way. All right. All right. Uh Falcons at 49ers. At uh, 49ers. 49ers. This game will be closer than uh, than people think. Well, yeah. I mean it's it's been a, I think a pretty tough go for the 49ers against the NFC South this year. I gotta find the line for this game. Except against the Panthers, they destroyed the Panthers. But uh, the Buccaneers game was pretty close. Yeah, I remember that game. That game was weird. Yeah, fun. Uh, I'm trying to find the line for this game because, oh my gosh, the 49ers are favored by 11. Take the Falcons on that! My goodness, that is the blood bank guarantee of the week. All right, uh, Vikings at Chargers. Oh, man, I, this feels like a game we would have circled like early in the season. Hey, it's a game I circle right now. This is going to be a good game. Uh, shoot, I don't know who's going to win, though. I, I think the Vikings have to. 
it's more important for them. Vikings. I will take the Vikings. I feel like you're being that Chargers homer that you are so frequently accused hey, of the being. The Chargers just put up 45, and Phillip Rivers looked perfect. It was the Jacksonville freaking Jaguar, the worst team in the NFL. Thank you. Next to the Eagles. All right. Uh, the, how about Sunday night? Uh, Bills at Steelers. I'll tell you one thing. I'm taking the Bills. Bounce back week. Love it. I love this Bills team. I, this is one of my favorite teams. All right. I, I love the Bills too, but I'm going to take the Steelers in this one. Interesting. Any particular reasoning behind that or just your gut pick? It is a gut all the way. My gut is rumbling so hard it's shaking <laughs> the foundations of my apartment. It's just hunger. Have yeah, a snack, <laughs> and then you'll pick the bills. <laughs> Eat All a right. Snickers. You're not yourself when you're hungry. <laughs> mm. You turn into you turn into Michael Irvin when you're hungry. <laughs> Saying absurd things with no <laughs> meaning or context. All right. Hey, when, when I night. try to have meaning, I get it wrong. So let's try it the other way. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Monday night, Colts at Saints. I'll, I'll take the Saints, Saints homer, and also the Saints will win this game because you can be a Saints reason. homer. <laughs> Because they played really well against the 49ers and the Colts aren't that good. So. Yeah. It'll be close, though, because it's always close with the Colts. I want to see what the line is on this game. I'm going to find the line on this one real quick. I'm really not looking forward to this. I really hated the Monday Night Football game uh, in week one because uh, I, I actually had to – well, I drove to work um, to get back in time for the game. But then there was a fire, so I got rerouted, and I ended up getting back later than I would have if I'd been on the bus. Ugh, terrible. Really, dude. Monday night, Monday night games in general are like kind of stressful because because Joe Tessitore gets so excited about every little thing that happens. It's like, oh, do you think that three yard run is gonna sink my favorite team? I don't know. <laughs> There's gonna be a lot of three yard runs by the Colts. There get will be. Mar- Marlon Mack, th- get ready for that three point two yards per carry, baby. All right. By the way, uh, New Orleans is favored by eight and a half. I'd probably Ooh. take the Colts on that. Yeah, yeah, I would too. I, I, I foresee like a maybe like a twenty-seven twenty Saints win. I mean, I'd be I'd love that because hopefully does that, does that, that sound right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe a little closer. I see this being a little bit higher scoring right now. The Saints defense is both banged up and not playing that great. Uh, yeah, but so is the Colts offense though. Yeah, that's true. I think like thirty to twenty-seven, something like that. Saints. I like this betting line discussion. We should do this more on the show because I think it's an interesting angle to take, like whether or not uh, – I mean, we're not professional gamblers yeah. or anything, but maybe it, we could be. It is, and it's really, really tough to get it right, so don't hate us if you trust our word. <laughs> you should not be betting based on what we say. Trust your eyes and trust the professional gamblers out there who tell you – like you pay for their service. You know, we're free. Yeah. You know, go pay Go pay for someone if you want. Uh, if you want professional gambling advice. All right. That's it for us. Um, let's do the plugs real quick. Uh, we've got, uh, let's see, it's been a while since we've done a show. What do we have? Uh, we have the email address, Trenton, which is um, uh, afterreviewpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. We have our Twitter, our, our tweets at tw- twitter.com, which is uh, at, at afterreviewpod. <laughs> there you go. So, I was trying to look it up while I did it. Oh, that's cool sportsslants.com i'll never forget trenton's awesome blog website you can check out good content coming from there and of course if you want more of me uh you know for whatever reason uh bombers the bombers podcast uh you can find us on spotify and itunes and all the places good stuff also we're on facebook yeah yeah (laughs) 
Got to give uh, one Facebook of our, credit, what? though. We use Facebook Call to do these shows, so. Okay, all right. Give a little, give a little love to the FB Empire. Uh, coming soon, the After Review Instagram page, in which I take pictures <laughs> of random things that happen in my life, and I send them to the Instagram page. We would love to be more involved on social media, but I don't think either Shay or I is either very good at it or cares enough to do it. So we really need another I, Well, guy. yeah, speak for yourself <laughs> on loving to be more involved on social media. I wish we didn't have to be on social media, but we got to promote this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's what I mean. I'd like to have more of a presence for the promotional aspect of it. But uh, yeah, you know, life. Yep. And personalities. You, yep. you can tell what kind of people we are if you listen to the show. Yeah, especially uh, based on our scalding hot take of the Patriots uh, Spygate 2.0, where we both think it's an incredible non-story, despite the fact it's the only thing anyone is freaking talking about right now. It's driving me nuts. It's so stupid. It is really stupid. All right. You know what else is stupid? Continuing to do this show when we are clearly both dying to get to our beloved pillows and blankets. Uh, let's go ahead and end this thing. Trenton, thank you for doing the show, and thank you all for listening. My name is Shay, and I uh, hope you have a great night, everybody. After review, the podcast is staying.